Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 Fantasy Football Rankings. Debate starts and sits for week two of the NFL season. You don't care what I have to say in terms of context. You just want a list? Easy stuff. Hit the description. All of the rankings are down there on DKNation.com as well if you're looking for that. The Listener's League link for DraftKings this week is 3,000 people. It's already 25% full, so I suggest you reserve your spot right now. The link, the only place you can find it, in the description of this video and podcast smash the like button for the episode subscribe to mayo media network and in the comment section you tell me where you would rank saquon barkley at running back this week for the thursday evening game because it's tricky to know what to do with him especially in a bad matchup against washington as well so i'm curious what you guys got to say on the matter hope that you had a great week one and i do want to let you know about runthesims.com whether it's the free or premium tools the free tools right now if you want to search snaps market share air yards targets the advanced stats hub is completely free to everyone just go to runthesims.com and put in any quandary you want play level data is available for free for you up there right now so i suggest if you're researching go check that out you want the premium tools run the sims.com slash mayo get you a discount on the optimizer the 10,000 simulations of each game that you can customize any way you want your start sit tools and your player prop tools and all of the wagering tools that are up there right now so run the sims.com slash mayo you want a DraftKings week one or week sorry week two early preview pete overzet's got that up on mayo media network right now and if you want some cash giveaways you got one day left to subscribe to the pat mayo experience audio podcast on apple podcast leave a five-star review something you enjoy about the show in your twitter handle or email address so i can contact you if you are a winner do that soon do that right away so you can get in the draw that will be happening Early on Wednesday morning, winners announced on Wednesday's show with Jeff Feinberg and Tim Andercus. That's another way to get into the draw, too. Subscribe to the Mayo Media Newsletter, where you can get early access to that show on Tuesday evening. If not, you got to wait till Wednesday morning in order to watch it along with more research for the week. And if you just sub to Mayo Media Network on YouTube, you also are in the draw this week. Enough of that, though. Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com, <laughs> from Bets TV, Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays over there with his show. It's killing it, by the way. I tuned in to you and Radcliffe live. The other day. It was great. Jake Seeley, by the way. I just said where you're from. I didn't see what <laughs> Thank your name you. was. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. I was already, I'm already tired. We were talking about it before the Pat or before the Pat show. This is what I was about to say. This just tells you where I am mentally already. Uh, like trying to answer all the comments in the waiver column and get to all that stuff. I, I'm a man of the people, unlike you, Pat, when I answer comments. I know you're, you like to say that, but you know, I'm kidding. I'm tired. I need to go to sleep. It's a real thing, especially in week one, because you like everyone, even if you're just a football fan, like everyone gets so jazzed up for week one. Because I was like, I'm not doing the Sunday show this year. At least I'm not doing it every week. Lauren is doing it on the channel. That's 1130 a.m. Eastern time live on Mayo Media Network if you want to check that out. And if you're into NFTs, Mondays and Wednesdays at noon Eastern, NFTs live if you like buying NFTs. People seem to. People seem to enjoy the show. So you can check that out. I'm still learning. They're going through what everything is and like how you can buy it. So if you're ever curious about NFTs, that's the show to tune into. Tower and Sky breaking it all down over there. But I woke up at like 5 a.m. with the kids. I was like, all right, I'm going to wake up at 5. I'm going to nap from like 9 from like eight to 10 and maybe I'll go to the gym. And like, I woke up at five and I was like, this is football started yet. Like, this is great. And I was all wired up. I ended up doing a vi- I think I'm just going to do a video, like a short video, like with an update on Sunday mornings. But then 
I ended up recording late with Meanie on Sunday, so I'm doing that Sunday evening show. I do the waiver column. Uh, that's also up on DK Nation on Sunday nights. And then Monday, I was like, I slept until like one. <laughs> like, I was just absolutely beat. <laughs> I don't get that until Friday. So, well, Friday is my uh, doctor appointment slash Barkley to, you know, get her nails done or something like that. Nails done, nails clip. But Fridays are the days that I can actually sleep until like 10. Uh, oh, well, that's not bad. You should, you should definitely take advantage of that. Everyone, if they ever get a chance to sleep in, should take advantage of that. I got the two little kids running around, so that's never going to happen for me. People are here for the rankings, though. So if you want projections, runthesims.com slash mail has them all populated right now. But running back rankings for week two, not a huge change at the top, Jake. Got Christian McCaffrey, number one. Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, <laughs> Nick Chubb. Austin Eckler, he of all the red zone touches and... Only the one touchdown. Aaron Jones, Derek Henry, Najee Harris. I'm just doing my French guy now. Chris Carson and Joe Mixon is the top 10. I do want to let everyone know, too, if you played in the Mayo Media Network props contest, the leaderboard is in the description. If you want to go check that out right now. And if you did miss out on joining the contest, you can still get in in week two. Like, you're only going to be five, max five. I think 40 of 550 people got five of five last week, and that was with a freebie on the board. So if you think you're good at props, join the contest. You get, it's a, all you have to do is go to prizepicks.com, deposit using code MMA or the link in the description right now and you play a $7.11 entry, five NFL picks from Thursday and or Sunday, no Monday uh, and you, you get bonuses like you win 10x your money on the 7-11 so you win 71 bucks if you get it right but because you're in this contest you get another 50 bucks on top of that, $3,000 to first prize so it's great for states that don't have legalized sports betting because prize picks is available in a lot of these places. So if you want to get in, like it's super cheap to do. You get a deposit match up to $100 anyway. So I recommend you go do it. Jake, you got to get, I know you missed the week one picks. You can get in in week two. You'll be good to go. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely be good to go and get to, yeah, I was trying to the, that Sunday morning as I texted you and then the Trey Sermon news happened and that just uh, updating the rankings, including the projections, that just all went sideways. I, I finished at twelve fifty eight, so I didn't have any time. Yeah, so I just put my picks in Saturday night and hope. And just luckily, uh, well, two of my props got scratched with OBJ and Zach Moss. Fortunately, I didn't have them in the contest. So, PrizePicks.com code MMN seven dollar and eleven cent entry for the seven eleven challenge leaderboard in the description. Got any problems with this top ten? Because I think you're starting all these guys. <laughs> Uh, that's the conversation we have most weeks. Absolutely. The only thing I'll throw out there for their top 10 for anybody that might be concerned by low opportunity. I know we don't talk trades a lot on this, but Najee Harris, the only running back in all of football that was out there for hundred percent of the snaps, Christian McCaffrey, 89 Christian McCaffrey was usually like 95. And we talk about how ridiculous that is. Najee Harris, 100% never came off the field. Yes, it was a down game. I mean, Pittsburgh just really didn't have a whole lot going outside of Deontay for most of it, even when he got hurt. But uh, yeah, Najee Harris, please go by low. This is this is exactly what you want. You want the volume and opportunities, and he's out there for a ton. By the way, Pat, do you want to guess who number two was in between Harris and McCaffrey for 94% of the snaps out there? I feel like I should know this because I actually wrote it, but now I completely forget who it is. Who is it? <laughs> it's Daryl Henderson out ah. there, 94% of the snaps. Yeah. Great, great, great showing for everybody that might have been concerned about Sony Michelle. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Do you think a lot of that had to do with week one, though? Like, do you think we see more of a ba not like a completely balanced attack, but instead of 94 percent? Oh, of course. It's like 70, 30 as no. we go forward. Yes, I was actually going to say so. 75 percent was Mike Davis. 73.8 was Clyde Edwards. -Alaire. That's I think he settles into that range. 
But the point being, it's not going to be 50-50 being the concern. It was a bad matchup, and he still came out of there with a great game. Was actually top five in goal-to-go and goal-line rush opportunities. Just only like three, but that still puts you inside the top five because most running backs don't get but one or two every single week. So, yeah, it's just the usage that makes you feel good. It's not going to be 90%, but the fact that it's going to be 70-plus is you can feel good about Daryl Henderson. You worried about Derrick Henry at all, just based on the way that this offense ran without Arthur Smith? They dropped their play-action rate from like 33% down to 11%, and it showed. Yes. It did. And you would think coaches are smarter. Maybe, you know, the situation here is they're installing something different. Uh, Don't really know what that was in week one outside of the play action because most of the offense looked pretty similar in the usage. I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit more three wide. And that's why we saw some Chester Rogers instead of Anthony Ferks are involved, although I still never want the third pass catcher, whether it's a wide receiver or a tight end with the Titans. Uh, Julio Jones is quiet. AJ Green, that, that entire team just fell off in week one. Like there's a lot. We talk about week one overreactions a lot of times. There's a lot of teams that just didn't get right, right out of the gate. And it just showed the entire game. They were one of them. Atlanta was another one of them. And, you know, not saying to just right week one off altogether, but I think better days. You can't have Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones and Tannehill. Let's be honest about how Tannehill's played the past two years and come out like that every single week. Because if you know, that happens, if this goes for two or three more weeks, they're looking for new coaches. Yeah, I think that's a pretty... Offensively. I think that's a pretty good way to put it. Yeah, they'll probably end up making a change at OC if that ends up happening, or at least trying to install some new type of system. But what I saw out of Seattle does sort of concern me. Listen, I'm not sitting Derrick Henry. I'm not trading Derrick Henry for like 50 cents on the dollar, which some people want to do. (laughs) You drafted Derrick Henry, you're probably going to have to ride this one out at least until he starts going off a little bit. Now, this works one of two ways. Henry, obviously skilled enough that any matchup, any sort of situation, he can just break off 80-yard runs. That's what he does. That's why people draft him inside the top five. But what I saw from Seattle last week was their offense looked new. It looked good for the first... They have all these guys who are awesome independently, and their talent overcomes poor play calling and poor coaching and situational situational awareness, which has done the past two years. But like running guys in motion, moving Lockett to the outside, just giving different looks in this offense. <laughs> it really seemed yeah. to confuse the hell out of Indianapolis. My worry is that like Tennessee acted like they had never seen an RPO before when they played against Kyler last week. Like it just, they stood there like, oh my God, he can do that? And just, they had no answer for it. Like if Seattle's actually upgraded their offense to something like moderately complicated, I just worry that they're going to be up like 21 nothing early and, and Henry might get run out. That's the only fear that I have. He could still overcome that, obviously. He could have a fucking Josh Jacobs game. It's not the end of the world when it comes down to it. They right. you know, 10 carries for 35 yards, but he scores two touchdowns, so it's okay. The Mark Ingram game that we saw from the weekend where highly in efficient not that big of a deal because he scored two touchdowns he scored a touchdown so right i'm not sweating it with him but i do have concerns and so for that point he is 17th in snap percentage 62.5 uh not surprisingly past snaps 57.5 i will say I, both of those are still even low from what they were last year. And granted, you know, maybe you want to say whether it was Evans or whoever else is behind them, they were struggling last year to find an option behind them. Still, that that's a pretty significant drop-off when you're talking about Derrick Henry, who, as we've seen, you get the ball in his hands out on the flat, and all of a sudden you have opportunity for a 60-yard catch anyway because he's Derrick Henry, and oh my God, he's already moving with the ball in his hands. So 
I will say I'm with you in a like, slight concern. I, I'll bring it up. I do in my waiver column every single week, Pat. I do concern levels about the most talked about concern players, and it's one to five ducks because ducktails. I want to include ducks somehow. Ooh. So one to five. If I had to get, yeah, thank you. If I had to give Derrick Henry a one to five, it would probably be, so one is almost zero concern. I mean, I could give zero and have zero concern like Najee Harris. I'd probably give him like a 1.5, not quite two. So like slightly, just barely concerned, mostly because of what you said. Their defense is so poor that if they keep getting down early, what does this mean for Derrick Henry? And that's my only concern. And I don't want to overreact too much to week one, but some of these teams that look bad in week one are going to turn out to be fine. But other, some of these surprise teams that look bad in week one are just going to turn out to be terrible. It happens every single year. So hopefully <laughs> the Titans aren't one of those teams uh, if you have Derrick Henry. But I would expect them to rebound a little bit in Seattle. Maybe not win outright, but at least maybe they will win outright because everyone's now high on Seattle, down on Tennessee. This usually flops in week two. We've just seen it way too many times. 11 to 20 in the rankings. JT, Jonathan Taylor, number 11. Zeke, I'm going to keep it number 12 right now, and I don't feel great about it, but here we are. I'm giving him a pass on a bad matchup. Maybe that's why he did not look great and they didn't run the ball whatsoever. Gibson's dealing with the shoulder injury, but it looks like he's good to go Thursday. He's number 13. Montgomery, flea market, 14. DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, Daryl <laughs> Henderson, Javante Williams at Jacksonville, Eli Mitchell at Philadelphia and Tyson Williams at number 20. So I suppose we should just talk about Mitchell and Tyson Williams right now. I think it was pretty telling in my waiver column. I felt like such a, just an absolute jamoke uh, watching the Monday night football game. Cause I had Latavius <laughs> Murray as my number one pickup and I'm watching the first quarter of this game. I was like, Oh my God, he's just not playing. Now I did preface it with it being like, Hey, Murray might not do much and be involved that much week one. Cause he just joined the team. Maybe he doesn't know the playbook. And then all of a sudden we get to the second half of that game and it's all Murray all the time despite not looking half as good as Tyson Williams they wanted him out there and I'm not entirely sure why but it seems like they are going to use him this is going to be a split plus the other split they have to take in consideration with Lamar I still think that he is the better fantasy play in week two but by the time we get to week four it could be Latavius Murray it could be and the biggest thing here is also is Tyson hurt uh, because he took that shot to the helmet and then didn't return after that. It was Latavius Murray for that final drive and overtime. So up until that point, it's very similar to the other Williams. Is Javante Williams definitively looked better if just watching an NFL game than Melvin Gordon. Tyson Williams definitively looked better than Latavius Murray. There's no question about it. If you can watch football and see that, you, you would know. Uh, and that wasn't talking down to anybody. I'm just saying, I would say that's how easy it is just to watch these games and see the difference between them. Um, but all that being said is Melvin Gordon had the big run late. So people kind of, you know, might be only saw the box score. We'll see that. Uh, but the same situation with Latavius Murray is that, yeah, he's also a veteran. He also is somebody who's experienced enough to, you know, maybe be better in the passing game when it comes to blocking. But Tyson Williams is actually a pretty good pass blocker. He got, too, and that's part got, of the reason he also got absolutely blown up. And that was also I was say that. we didn't see. That's when we started seeing more Murray on the field was when he could and I, the that's where i was going to go to as well is that like part of it was despite being uh, you took the words out of my mouth is despite being that he just got destroyed and while latavius has struggled at times in his own right pass but he doesn't ever really get blown up like that so i will say maybe we're looking at a 60 40 or maybe even it's 50 percent williams and then the other 50% is Latavius. Maybe they activate Le'Veon Bell, give Trenton Cannon a few passing down opportunities, stuff like that. I still think Williams, if healthy, is the lead just because he looks so good. But 
a couple factors coming out of that game just leads to a little bit of concern that maybe we were hoping for 60-65 if Williams just blew the doors off the place, but it's probably looking like 50. But 50 in the Baltimore backfield is still an RB2. Yeah, that's why he's number 20 in the rankings. I think moving forward, at least until we get more evidence that Murray is going to take more hold of this job and switch it to 60-40 or 65-35, I think that Williams, especially with his receiving game prowess where they just weren't throwing to Murray and they were throwing to Williams, even in half-point PPR, that will carry him through. Eli Mitchell, I do have one spot ahead. I'm really torn on Eli Mitchell because obviously Trey Sermon is going to be active this week with Raheem Mostert dead for eight weeks, so... I wouldn't trust him. That's my only hesitation, that this is Kyle Shanahan, and that whatever's obvious is just clearly not going to happen. Like, oh, hey, Jeff Wilson's back all of a sudden. Oh, Jamichael Hasty. maybe you can have 18 carries. I agree that Eli Mitchell looks the best of all these guys, but there is going to be a rotation. It feels like he's going to have some big weeks because this team runs the ball so well, uh, mm-hmm. even, even in this game where they're three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Eagles, but there's going to be games where he just leaves you holding the bag, too, and just doesn't do anything. And that, that's really risky for someone people are spending a lot of fab bucks on right now. Right. So let's attack this from a couple of different directions here. So one is Elijah Mitchell can be the top option on waivers, whether you're blowing the first in a priority or a lot of your fab, because we know any running back with a half decent skill set is going to be a top 15 running back. Jeff Wilson, I jokingly say that all the time. Jeff Wilson wouldn't be a name in the NFL if not for Kyle Shanahan. That's the upside. What do we know about Kyle Shanahan? It can change week to week. And whether or not the, the other side of this is whether or not the sermon thing is true. I mean, Shanahan's also out here trying to tell us that Sherfield's a better talent than Brandon Ayuk. So let's be honest about Shanahan. But what it comes down to is Matt Barrows from The Athletic actually asked Shanahan after the game. He said, the entire preseason, we sat here and watched, I'm paraphrasing, and you used Sermon as the number two. What happened? And Shanahan's response was, I've never had a running back hierarchy. Well, that's actually the true part about it. It's not even just he's never had an hierarchy, is he could actually have a depth chart of his own and it could change week to week. So I'm after Elijah Mitchell. I think that's a good spot to have him with some of the ones in front of him. I'd probably risk him over Javante, even though I just went on that I, Javante looked better than Melvin Gordon, but I'd put him, that's one spot. Uh, he could easily finish higher than that. This could easily be a game where all of a sudden Sermon's active and leads the backfield. So I will say if you pick them up on waivers and you don't need running back help, flip them in a trade because people are going nuts in trades for him right now. I wouldn't be surprised if some league's inexperienced owners, you could flip him for Ezekiel Elliott after what happened in week one. Are you worried about how, what you said the like the the ducktail levels on Derrick Henry what would it be for Zeke because there just is a chance Dallas led mm-hmm. all of the teams in week one it was actually Tampa and Dallas in passing above expectation it was a pretty wide margin I think they threw on 76 percent of their plays da- or Tampa Bay threw actually on 78 percent of their plays but like in game neutral situations Dallas just opted to pass more now is that a result of you can't run on Tampa Bay so why even try pretty good strategy actually just continue to pass that seemed to work for them at least through the air but it's not like Zeke looked good either at the same time (laughs) no but so I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring it back to Zeke if you didn't I gave him two I actually have him in there but the reason I gave him two is not so much because of Zeke and not so much because of snaps or Tony Pollard or anything like that it comes down to 
why was Zeke blocking? Because the Cowboys have some concerns about their offensive line, and Zeke is an exceptional. This is go back to college. This is the same thing I and many people were saying. One of the best pass blockers you've seen come out in years at that time and is still one of the best pass blockers in the NFL. You want to talk about getting flattened. He's flattening defensive linemen. So that's the point of where the two comes from, is that a lot of leaks you won't have to worry that much about it, but if you have a team with a high pressure rate, go look at the stats that Pat and I talk about all the time when we talk about defenses for matchups and fantasy. We'll also look at that for this reason. If the Cowboys are facing fronts like the Buccaneers and some other teams after like that that can get after the quarterback and have high pressure rates, high adjusted sack rates, then you're maybe a little bit more concerned that Zeke might be a high mid RB2 in those weeks. So I'm still buying low, but I do also acknowledge that there's some level of concern here. I do too. I'm going to give him another week. I think this is a great scoring opportunity. This game, just in general, I'm Chris Raybon's going to be on the DraftKings show this week. And I think it's going to be just play all your chargers and like play Cedric Wilson because he's super cheap <laughs> along with the Dallas stack and you'll be good to go. You might not win all the money, but you'll probably win some of the money on DraftKings this week. Play in the listeners league, <laughs> by the way. Uh, rest of the rankings because we're finally going to get to that same. Oh, by block. the way, real quick, Pat, because I was going to add this real quick too. I forgot to throw this in there because I was looking it up yesterday. When I was looking at pressure rates, there was two teams that didn't allow pressure at all. It was the Saints and the Bucks, but the Cowboys were third at 1.6. Again, a testament to how much they used and needed Zeke in that situation. Even against the Bucks, barely got pressured. So again, I just wanted to double down on that whole Zeke factor. Yeah, I saw the Saints center just got banged up. He might not play this week. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, I saw that yesterday. Yeah, that Eric, was like late last night, Eric, too. the real McCoy, suffered a calf strain, could be out until after the week <laughs> six bye. I always worry when teams lose their center, though. Everyone always wants to talk about, oh, pass protection. Like, the left tackle is your best offensive lineman. But if you have a shitty center, then, like, it's tough to get the audibles in right or line movement in right. Like, he's really the captain of the offensive line. And just losing that stable force is really tough. Ask, ask the Giants fans how they're feeling after that. Like, Gates, I think he was the center last. I don't even know anymore of the Giants offensive line. I was just still laughing at the image that I saw somebody from a Dolphins account tweet where they're, the Giants offensive linemen are blocking each other. Like, <laughs> just... Uh, it's real if you haven't seen it pat they are like like generally the one got turned around and i don't know if the at the timing of it it just might be he was just trying to get him back in the right direction but it's they're pushing each other healthy snacks have a bad reputation let's be honest most don't taste very good they don't fill you up and they certainly don't satisfy your cravings this episode is sponsored by monk pack who makes snacks that taste like our favorite sugary treats but with one gram of sugar or less. They're great for anyone following a keto lifestyle and the perfect snack for anyone who's just trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. That would be me. That's what I'm doing. I'm not on keto, but these bars are delicious. The Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars, whether they come in sea salt, dark chocolate, caramel sea salt, peanut butter, dark chocolate, I went through them really quickly. Put it that way. I needed to get a second order ASAP. And you can do that and try it for yourself, and you'll see. And we have a special deal for the listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our promo code MAYO at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it, for whatever reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. To get started, go to monkpack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com and select any product. Then enter the code 
Mayo, that's M-A-Y-O, at checkout to save your 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, I do want to welcome in our new viewers on Game Plus in Canada. We're back on TV, Jake. Are we? We are. Live? Or is this recorded? No, this is recorded. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, so I can't do anything crazy. And no, I've been swearing. Th- I've been swearing this canceled. whole time. They got to beat that out. <laughs> do they really? Yeah, you got to watch the uncut version on Mayo Media Network. On, the, <laughs> on actual TV, they have to beat the swears. I, I, have to, you know, they, uh, I have to make the editors do some work here, not just give them a show. <laughs> Uh, I wonder if they're gonna have to edit out the fact that I'm leaning over and trying to give Barkley a treat because she's being like a pain. No, bring no, Barkley onto the show. People love Dugs. You like Dugs? I know. Yeah, bring bring well, Barkley on. Bring her, bring, bring her on. There we go. There we go. There's Barkley. There's Barkley. Say hi, Barkley. Well, put me full screen. There we go. There. Say hi, Barkley. Barkley's a cute dog. With my Heineke jersey from ODU represented in the background. Oh, the Mighty Monarchs. We'll talk about them in a second. Yes. Twenty-one to thirty in the running back rankings. I got. Melvin Gordon, number 21, just to play people against Jacksonville. That seems to be something I'm just going to start doing all the time. Miles Gaskin, Jamal Williams, Clyde <laughs> Edwards, Elarius, Devin Singletary, assuming that Zach Moss is still in the doghouse for the moment. Damian Harris, he's a bit in the doghouse. What are they going to do, like run J.J. Taylor 25 times? No. Mike Davis, I got Saquon at 28, still ahead of Josh Jacobs at 29, and then James Robinson at 30. That might be an overreaction to James Robinson, but... There's an awful lot of Carlos Hyde in that game. <laughs> like like we thought. Well, so... <laughs> Go ahead. No, finish your thought. No, that was it. Just like too much Carlos Hyde for my liking. Oh, okay. So... There's a couple in here that I'll go. So I'll go Clyde Edwards-Alaire out, put higher. Daryl Williams had one touch in that game. This is the volume we wanted for Edwards-Alaire. And granted, he's not Josh Jacobs, but if you're giving him Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake's touches, I'm much more okay with that than as much as... Uh, I, Miles Gaskin, that situation, just I don't want anything to do with that backfield if possible. Um, and I guess the Bills. So I would go Edwards-Alaire, even over Melvin Gordon. I don't want the second piece. Even though I don't disagree with you at all. Start everybody against Jacksonville, even back. Similar to Detroit. Jacksonville, Detroit, Green Bay, you probably can start two running backs against them if it's a situation like that. But I put Edwards-Alaire higher. I would put Damian Harris higher. I know the fumble, but I, that's zero concern in my mind right now. And then after that, I don't really have much of a problem where I, and I agree with you on James Robinson. We can't ignore it. The fact is he was used more on passing downs. Carlos Hyde was used more on running downs. James Robinson got about half. It was almost a 50-50 split. And whether or not these Urban Meyer going back to college rumors are true, that's the only reason you would hope and hold on to James Robinson and not sell low just yet. But until that happens, this is a gross situation, especially against Denver. Yeah, I don't love it uh, whatsoever, uh, but I still think that he's the one who's going to generate the most fantasy points. 30th means that he's you know a low-end flex. You probably have receivers that are better. I just want to push back on Clyde Edwards-Alaire because there's the thing. I know that we want volume. Like, Mike Davis got a ton of volume, too. Obviously, it's a terrible matchup against the Bucks, but... I don't love the rushing matchup against Baltimore. It's especially with Jimmy Smith and Marcus Peter, Jimmy Smith, Jimmy Smith. Uh, we're not talking about the bad guy in season three of Dexter here or the, or president Santos <laughs> from the West wing, but without Jimmy Smith and Marcus Peters, like you can kind of go down the field on Baltimore pretty easily. Like if the Raiders can do it, I have no qualms that the chiefs are going to do it. And frankly, just looking at the chiefs offense, 
they know what they're doing. Mahomes is either going to run himself or he's going to throw it to Kelsey or he's going to throw it to Hill and they're going to score 40 points. Like they're a pretty predictable offense in that way and no one can cover them. Like they don't really need to use him as much. And I don't think they're going to start leaning on it against Baltimore. No, but at the same time, as you mentioned, getting down the field, I think involves, that's why, I think involves Clyde Edwards-Alaire out of the backfield, five catches on five targets for 59 yards for Kenyon Drake. And if you're going to tell me Edwards-Alaire versus Drake, I'm taking Edwards-Alaire every single time. So I don't disagree with you. That's how you attack Baltimore. But I think Edwards-Alaire, just for the passing game upside, I don't think he gets to 17 touches in this game because of the matchup, even though he manipulate or monopolizes most of that backfield. But I think it's the passing game upside is where I'm going to take it. And again, that's why I just have more confidence than Gaskin for that entire backfield and Melvin Gordon with being the second option. I'm not moving up that high, but he'd be one spot behind Tyson on the other side of the ball for me. Yeah, I'm going to keep him right at number 24, the lowest of the low running back number twos. I just want to see it. Like We still haven't seen it with him yet. Uh, even last year, we didn't see it with him. Like, he just, maybe he's just not that good. <laughs> His finger paintings suck too. <laughs> Who else is in here? What are you doing with Barkley? Uh, I don't think that, like, I had him at 18 last week, and I said I would have made the same choice again because I'm going for, that's where I risk it. You know, if Barkley's on my team, like, if I had all 30 running backs on my team, I'd risk him. Basically, at the same spot, I'd risk Edwards-Alaire. I would go Edwards-Alaire before Barkley, but I would risk him over Gaskin, and I would risk him over being the second option in the backfield with Williams and Gordon. And I keep emphasizing the word risk, though, because last week is what could potentially happen. The good side of it, he was out there slightly more than Devontae Booker, and that's a good thing. In his first week back, the Giants were clearly honest about what they were saying this entire time, and they were taking it slow. And if you're being honest about Barkley... He didn't look like 100% Barkley. He looked like a, a pretty good running back, but he didn't look like himself. So there's a lot of risks there. But the fact that the use in the passing game and the upside that he brings, you know, if he is healthy and it's a short week. So, you know, you talk about Washington's defense, the time to prepare is not the greatest matchup, but I would risk him around that same 18 to 22 spot. And if you don't want to play him, I don't have a problem with it. I just, I can't, I don't want to live in a world where I wake up, you know, Friday morning, it's like, oh my God, Barkley scored 18 on my bench. I don't have a, I know some people can't live with that sort of thing. Like they just, they don't want to have the FOMO of missing out on the big game. But if he scores 18 on your bench or 24 on your bench, at least I know Barkley's good again and then I'm good moving forward. Right. But what are uh, the comparison that I bring into like Gaskin is like, what is he scoring in my lineup? 11? Nah. I mean, there's a lot of guys that like nine. This is, that's why. It's how you want to construct your lineup. This is what we talk about a lot with the flex players or wide receivers or stuff like that. Do you want the ceiling of 15 to 20 points with the potential for Barkley? If you want that 9 to 12 guaranteed, just lock it in. You don't have to worry. Then bench Barkley. Uh, I have Miles Gaskin at a 50% projection at 12.6 points in full point PPR, a medium projection of almost 14. So I maybe I just like Gaskin. I know he's a part of that like three-way three committee, but Tua, not afraid to not throw deep downfield. Maybe that changes with Fuller back, but I just think that Gaskin's going to be a primary part of this passing game too, especially with the Bills pass rush, which isn't bad. Yeah, so uh, you have him right lock and step with kind of what week one was. He was out there for 54% of the snaps. 
it's it's what we expected and what you and I talked about before the season started is 50% Gaskin and then the other half is going to be the other two it might be Brown one week it might be Ackman one week but he gets that half so again I feel like he's safe I don't have him quite as high as you do but I'm not that far from you he's the safe play Josh Jacobs, I have at number 29. I feel like people are going to have a problem with this because there's like this weird like group of Josh Jacobs truthers. But like, did you not watch Monday Night Football, Pat? I, I watched him have one good run for a touchdown. Granted, he got half of over half of his yards on one run. That was like 16 yards. Scored a touchdown, then got gifted another touchdown and still scored like 15 points. Like, if he's not scoring two touchdowns, especially in this matchup against the Steelers, like in a bad matchup, in a good matchup against a good, like bad run defense, by all means, like top 15 play. In this matchup with no receiving and really tough to score touchdowns on Pittsburgh, uh, no, no, thank you. Like, maybe he'll score two <laughs> touchdowns and save your week, but wouldn't count on it. No, so I'll have the same answer I asked somebody last night. They said, in Monday Night Football, I'm down by 15. I have Jacobs and Drake. Who do I go with? Do I go with the Drake sick game or do I, or the Jacobs sick game or do I go with Drake? And I said, basically it comes down to, do you think Jacobs scores a touchdown? And I say that to say that's pretty much most weeks now with Drake in the mix, because this is another, this is basically the, you know what the Raiders are? They don't want to treat him as such, but the Raiders backfield is the Cardinals backfield. It's the exact same thing. It's one is the goal line. One gets more of the lead carries. The other 50% split down the middle is going to the other guy who's more of the pass catcher. And it's going to be very touchdown reliant for one, very receiving reliant for the other two. And a lot of weeks, they'll probably have similar fringe RB2 value. And the person who wins out is going to be the one that scores a touchdown. So do you think he can score a touchdown against the Steelers? If not, that's a fair ranking. And I'm not going to argue too much with it. Josh Jacobs is essentially the homeless man's Derrick Henry. <laughs> I want to go that far. <laughs> I would. That's what I'm saying. Like, if if Derrick Henry's season goes tits up, then he's Josh Jacobs. <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really have much of a rebuttal for that. I don't. I don't think he's that bad, but... Just, no, but I, I don't think that Josh Jacobs is bad, is the thing. Like, I just, when you were talking about him as a fantasy asset, his availability to a lot of fantasy points is just so limited, especially in tougher matchups, where if he's not scoring touchdowns, it's not like, like Christian McCaffrey's the highest scoring running back of any running back in week one, and he didn't score a touchdown. Like, the way that he manufactures fantasy points is essentially the inverse of how Josh Jacobs does things, which is very similar to what Derrick Henry does. Like, if Derrick Henry has a bad game, his bad games are bad. And McCaffrey's bad games aren't okay. bad. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. It just as a talent is what the kind of like homeless person. Like if you want to say like a lesser version, but like the homeless just makes me think you're just trash. That's why. No, just Derrick Henry's really good that, you know, he, Josh Jacobs isn't quite on his level. But if Derrick Henry, if the Titans just find themselves down in a lot of games this year and they will not feature him in the passing game to get him the ball in space, like he's going to have some really bad games. Uh, that you're you're correct on that absolutely yeah. I, you know i would say like the homeless version of derrick henry is more like sony michelle okay maybe that's more fair he's like the c minus derrick henry <laughs> is josh jacobs 31 to 40 very quickly <laughs> kareem hunt chase edmonds mark ingram maybe i should have kareem hunt higher 
It's a nice matchup against Houston. Just don't want to see how that plays out. Chubb looked really good in week one. Edmonds, Ingram. I'm always, I I said this, Hunt 25-ish every single week. Just leave him there. Yeah. Hunt, Edmonds, that awful Mark Ingram, Kenyon Drake, Latavius Murray. (laughs) I have Fournette, Connors, Tony Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Tony Pollard. Bruce Arians did come out and say that Ronald Jones is starting for the Bucs against the Falcons. I don't really believe anything Bruce Arians says. Just throwing that out there. No, what I was going to say is the fact that he said that should mean you should put Leonard Fournette up by like ahead of Josh Jacobs because you know that's not the fact. Like whatever he said is the opposite of what's going to happen. So maybe he starts and gets the first touch, but it's another Leonard Fournette game. This is why I didn't want anything to do with the Buccaneers backfield. I actually have zero shares across all of my teams. I don't have Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, Giovanni Bernard, and it feels so good. Uh, I can't deny the fact like, yes, fear FOMO on what Leonard Fournette did in week one, but to think that it's going to be consistent and not chasing our tails on that. Basically, just Ronald Jones has another fumble. Maybe we can feel good because now he's just completely kicked out of the equation. But right now, I would go Leonard Fournette a little bit higher. But uh, you like how I tagged you on Mark Ingram, by the way, right? Yeah, well, Mark Ingram posted the best worst fantasy game of all time. I I couldn't believe it. It was Dirk Nowitzki. Just looking at it, it was like 26 carries almost... 85 yards and a touchdown. How many fantasy points did he score? It's like, oh, not many. Like, that is the best game he's probably going to have all year. <laughs> and the thing was, too, is what I tagged you because what I was, t- I forget, was it four? Because it was about the goal to go and then inside the five. So what was, I'm going to pull it up right now because I tagged you. So it was goal to goal rush attempts. He was the only one with four. Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Henderson, and Eckler had three each. Kudos to Eckler getting that work this year. And then goal line inside the five rush attempts was Ingram and Henderson at three each, and they were the only two with three. So he was in the lead and tied for the lead in goal to go and inside the five rush attempts. So he is the guy, but where you have him is certainly 100% fair because it's not like David Johnson's not going to be used in the passing game. He's the passing game option. No, I think the biggest thing, too, is just how many times are the Texans going to have – the ability to run the ball like 50 times in a game. That might be the only time. How many times are they facing the Jaguars? Twice. That's, so that's yeah, the so they have one more time throughout the course of the year. <laughs> like if they're if they're trailing in this game, Mark Ingram's not getting 26 carries. And that's the only reason he had any fantasy viability. So I don't know, no thanks. 100%. Like he, he sucks. Uh, I, was start, I was starting to look at their schedule to see like Browns, Panthers, Bills, Patriots, Colts, Cardinals, Rams, Dolphins, Titans, Jets. Maybe? Maybe Jets, Colts, Seahawks, Jaguars again, Chargers. They might be they might be tied or have a lead in one game the rest of the season. Yeah, and almost like the Baltimore backfield, you do have to factor in that Tyrod's going to run too. Like he's a part of that rushing attack. Yeah, he's a, that's why we liked him a couple of years ago because he just scored fifteen to eighteen points every single week. Yeah. It's ridiculous that our sizes change brand to brand when our bodies stay the same. You're a measurement, not a size. You don't have to change. Shopping for clothes does. And that's why you gotta check out Public Rec. They make elevated athleisure wear in multi-dimensional sizes because they believe that comfort starts with a better fit. I got my pair, which was the all-day, everyday pant, available in over 40 different sizing combinations and can fit men anywhere from 5'8 to nearly 7 
feet tall. I am more on the 5'8 side than the 7 feet tall. I got my pair. I put them on. I'm actually like dropping some LBs lately. Still fit perfectly. And that's all I've ever wanted. I don't need to have eight separate sizes of pants because these pants from Public Rec fit perfectly no matter what. A better fit is the secret to making these comfortable pants look good, which, you know, I pull off famously. Now, your favorite lounge pants can also be your go-tos for work, happy hour, or the gym. I'm the guy who's now wearing those out into the world, and you know what? People say, these pants look really good, Mayo. And I'm like, yeah, they do. But even if they weren't on me, they'd probably look good on you at Public Rec. Colors, they come in nine different colors, one for each day of the week and more. Public Rec also makes elevated shorts, t-shirts, polos, jackets, even golf gear, which I'm going to get some of very soon. You know, when golf season, where I'm at, wraps itself back around. They just launched their women's line, so now anyone listening can enjoy Public Rec's better-fitting comfort. Public Rec rarely discounts, but right now they have an exclusive offer just for Pat Mayo Experience listeners. Go to publicrec.com and use promo code MAYO to receive 10% off. That's publicrec.com and use our promo code MAYO for 10% off. Let's move to wide receivers. Let's go through the top 20 because you're starting all of these guys. Devontae Adams is still number one. Tyreek Diggs, Hopkins, CeeDee Lamb at number five. I think he's going to chew. I just love this game, so I'm just all in on that game. Keenan Allen, <laughs> Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf. That goes into Calvin Ridley in a bad matchup, but, you know, maybe it'll be more like the first drive from last week than the rest of the drives from last week when he had, like, five targets on the first drive and they didn't throw to him again. <laughs> A.J. Brown, <laughs> Allen Robinson, scoring. Terry McLaurin didn't Terry score McLaurin. last week. He had one of the nicest catches of the year last week, by the way. DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett, Debo Samuel, and Jamar Chase. Turns out he's okay. He actually won me a bunch of money on DraftKings. Uh, play in the Listener's League, by the way. That link is down in the description if you missed on the Mayo Media Network. Prize Picks Prop Contest. You can still get in. You're, you're a week late, but you can still have time to catch up, so go deposit on prizepicks.com right now. Use code MMN. If sports betting is not legal in your state, a great way to get in on the prop action. You come compete with us make your entry for seven dollars and eleven cents full details down in the description plus the leaderboard if you already played it to see where you're sitting after week one anyone in that top 20 that you're not starting no you're starting everybody inside of here which by the way score mclaurin uh, there was four players in week one that were on the field for 100 percent of the snaps wide receivers or tight ends two of them on the same team pat two of them being Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas, who never came off the field for the passing offense. If you're worried about Heineke, I'm not at all. Heineke is actually more aggressive than Fitzpatrick, not throwing the ball, but this is why he gets hurt is because he's out there giving 100% every single play because he knows who he is. He's trying to win jobs and trying to stay in the NFL. Seven-year career for those people calling him a kid during the broadcast last week. Uh, he's 28 years old. He's been in the league for seven years. Uh, but Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, I have zero concerns about them. I think maybe... McKissick comes back into relevancy as in a James White PPR only with Heineke, but I'm not worried about McLaurin. I'm not worried about Logan Thomas. Uh, the other two, just for kicks and giggles, Pat, Daniel Mooney never came off the field, and Tyler Higby never came off the field. Good for Higby. Didn't really do much for old Mooney tunes. Oh, I mean, who was the quarterback and what was the matchup? Yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't a great situation. Revenge right. game! 
Revenge game. Pat, it's revenge game contract year for Andy Dalton, number one quarterback this week. I actually like the Bears this week. I feel like everyone's just off the Bears and everyone's like, oh, yeah, the, the, the Bengals looked really good. They looked like, okay. Um, but the Bears defense wasn't good. Like, they got just exposed deep. But they did a little bit better than I thought they would against the Rams, to be perfectly honest with you. I thought the Rams were going to score like 70. Yeah, I I thought the Rams was gonna it's gonna be potentially a blow with how things are going, and that that offense is looking a hell of fun with uh, Cooper Cup and being basically Robert Woods having a down game with Matthew Stafford. I put quotes because everybody's worried about Robert Woods now. Yeah, Bobby Trees will be fine. Twenty one in the rankings is my guy Tony Brown. After an excellent, there's gonna be one of these guys that's left out every single week, so the ranking is just. You're playing all three of them if you have them at this point. So Antonio Brown, Deontay Johnson, Brendan Cooks, T. Higgins, DJ Chark, Robert Woods, Julio Jones, Mike Evans at 28, Chase Claypool, and Prison Mike Williams, although he didn't actually go to prison, but he's Prison Mike. Uh, Dallas game, just, I mean, he got (laughs) fed, he's healthy, just keep playing guys against Dallas. And he only fell on his back like once. Maybe he's finally learned to stop just throwing your body into the ground on every catch. Because Mike Williams, to be honest about him, is just stay healthy. We know this about him. This is similar to like Chris Carson, although Chris Carson's been able to stay healthier than Mike Williams has. But another one of those ones where just just stay healthy and stay on the field and we can see what you do. I think Antonio Brown, when you brought up that for going forward, after seeing that game again with how last year finished in December, now, Mike Evans was still there. They were very close in value. Everybody pretends like Mike Evans did nothing in December. He had a lot of good games in December. But I think going forward, the fact of Godwin, Brown, then Evans is the way to rank every single week. Just because if Evans goes off, he's going to go off. But Evans is the one of the three more likely to have that four five point game and kind of get left out of the equation, especially without a touchdown. So I'm okay with your rankings. There's very, you know what? It's very similar to the Pittsburgh wide receivers who I think you have ranked kind of the same way. Unless Juju, Deontay Claypool. I have Juju Uh, at 42. You have Juju way down. See, I would do opposite. I would would do the same thing. I I just feel like Juju doesn't present any sort of upside like Antonio Brown does in this situation where the Mike Evans of that team is Chase Claypool, but I'd rather gamble on the upside of Claypool versus sort of like the eh of Juju. See, I don't think it's eh of Juju, honestly, because one of the things with Ben Roethlisberger is Juju's outproduce what would be a normal touchdown stat line with his receptions and yards for most years, especially last year, because he does have Ben's eye when they get into the end zone. Like, you know, I love Deontay because he has Ben's eye the entire game. But when it gets into that red zone and the touchdown opportunities, it's Claypool and Juju. And a lot of times it's Juju more than Claypool. I'm not saying you're wrong to have him higher. It sounds sounds like that's what you're saying, Jake. You can say it. It's okay. I can take it. (laughs) No, it's... I, I will always get, like, unless it's a specific matchup situation, which I don't feel like this is, especially after you just saw with Las Vegas being vulnerable to some more speed, uh, I would say, for my opinion, it's always going to be Deontay, Juju, then Claypool, very similar. Claypool and Evans are always going to be the bottom of the three for the those situations. And I will always probably go until, like, new facts present themselves, because Ben looked honest to god he looked like trash against the bills poor Najee harris oh, like, yeah. he, he was open on like three separate like just dump off routes ben threw, well here and ben threw it behind him every single time and it was like oh you're not in the right spot it's like why don't you throw the ball to me man and and here's what it comes down to too it's just even that last week so deontay left with the injury 
and still had four more snaps than Claypool. Claypool's the snap odd man out and too wide, and that's what it comes down to. Juju was 51, Deontay 42, despite, like I said, he came out of the game, so the number probably would have been neck and neck with Juju, and Claypool was down at 38. And that's my biggest thing about uh, Claypool is that he's the guy off the field. But I'm not too concerned about that. What I'm concerned about is what's my best game, like, realistically for Juju? Like, seven for 69 and a touchdown? I don't need all the snaps. Like, I just feel like his ceiling is so limited versus, like, a Mike Evans or even an Antonio Brown where they're in a better offense. Obviously, we've seen what their upside is. It feels like Ben's more on the decline in the situation and I'm going for the big hitter with Claypool. He's like the new Brendan Lloyd. He only makes hard catches. And if they ever do take, like, shots downfield, it's gonna be to him. So he's gonna get his points in bulk when it comes down to it so i would rather gamble on his potential ceiling rather than like i said the eh of juju who just i feel like you can do better i i their their ceilings just to go back to last year are very similar and what it comes down to me is claypool his ceiling is touchdown reliant he has to score because correct me if i well i'm not gonna say everybody out there correct me if i'm wrong because i'm not gonna make you try to pull it up on the spot as I would even do the same. But I think Claypool only had one or two games of 100 yards last year. Like, Claypool has to score. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to for me. But I do expect him to score far more than Juju, especially and when his touchdowns come. They're going to be on Far big, more? Yeah. Like, how many touchdowns did Juju have last year? Like, five? Nine. Yeah, nine. Which is, that's what I was saying. It's an, yeah, that's what I'm that, saying. That, it's that, an, that's an, an oversight like, on my part. However... This is also year two for Claypool. I would expect him to get better. So I'm just not, I'm not feeling Juju at all. I just, I don't want to play him. Like, I just don't feel like he's You're any not good. feeling the Juju? Was that intentional? Yeah, it was not. But just like, I don't want some guy running around the line of scrimmage. <laughs> I just don't. Like, he's great for a PPR league as your third receiver. If you need stability, I want to take some shots with my team in the right situations. And I feel like if the touchdowns are coming for Chase Claypool, they're like 40 yard touchdowns, not one yard touchdowns. Yeah. And for Juju, his touchdowns are seven, seven, three when he played the twelve games and nine last year. That and that's what I was saying. It was anomalous, if that's a word. Did I just make that a word? Eight hundred thirty-one yards and nine touchdowns. He still has Ben's target when it comes to the touchdowns for whatever reason. I don't disagree with you that if I'm a quarterback, I'm looking at Claypool before I look to Juju. But for they just have that connection. Well, hopefully they just start throwing more to Firemouth, and then they'll be fine. <laughs> Firemouth. I, when I drafted, I drafted uh, him in my keeper league. I, that's just what I yelled out, and Cust was putting everything. He's like, "I don't know who that is." I was like, "Don't worry about it. I'm taking him." <laughs> I saw when you messed up the name from the Super Mario RPG yesterday with <laughs> talking baseball for a change. Yeah, I, I didn't know who that was. It was like Yankovic, Weird Al Yankovitz was like pitching for the Yarbro. Yarbro, yeah. There was yeah. there was Yarvich was the uh, Super Mario RPG villain was a sub boss like halfway through the game it's still like i actually knew who you were talking about when you said it too that's great it's one of my favorite games of all time it's an amazing game yeah it's it's fantastic it's it's no super mario i I mean i I really stopped playing video games after n64 because i'm old now but after super mario 64 it probably is rpg that's my favorite mario game mario not hmm. not including like Mario Kart or tennis or anything like that. I was just about to say that. Yeah, not including the other ones. Yeah. Like uh, ad- adventure style games. I would I think I would lean Super Mario World, but yeah. it's close. I mean, there's just so many so much hidden adventures you can have in Super Mario World. Uh rest of them. Thirty one to forty? 
Tim Patrick, number 31. I'm digging Tim Patrick this week. Jags play against the Jags, and Tim Patrick's good. Teddy Bridgewater, also good. This Denver team, kind of good. Although they'll have beaten, like, the Giants and Jags. We won't really know until they play someone actually good, but I think they're pretty legit. Tim Patrick, Marv Jones, Corey Davis, Marquise Brown, Robbie Anderson, Sterling Shepard, Cortland Sutton, Devonta Smith, Tower Boyd, and Javis Landry, who, did he score on that, like, goal line reverse that he got? I don't think he got in, did he? I can't I don't remember now. Think so either, but now, yeah, now you're making me no because Chubb, Chubb, it was it was on Chubb's second touchdown. He ended up punching it in. I yeah, want I to rank Cortland Sutton a lot higher, but I was kind of flummoxed about his usage, even with Judy going out. Like uh, Tim Patrick's just good, and I think he might still be kind of recovering from this knee injury. So I'm gonna multi-layer this one for you. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna ins- you're down. gonna inset me with it. <laughs> if you can go to sleep, I'll kind of put all the thoughts and then just sit back as you tell them to me. <laughs> there you go. Quote, like so this is, and I want to bring this up because this is a long-term situation to exploit over the season for the Giants. Giants secondary, I've brought this up with you in many shows, is a very good secondary. It's an underrated secondary because of the misnomer of the Giants just being terrible, which is fine. But that secondary, the one thing about him, Adoree Jackson and James Bradbury, probably a top 10 corner duo. You could even argue top five. What they are really good at is stopping the Suttons, Galladay, if he wasn't on the Giants. The bigger, not the best separators, although Sutton was a better separator than Galladay. Don't get hung up on that. I'm just saying. The bigger guys, because where their one flaw is for the Giants secondary, I'll give you one play and you know what the flaw was. Melvin Gordon ran away from the secondary. They lacked the speed, and that's why Jerry Judy was obliterating their defense because they can't keep up with the quick twitch, good route runners, those type of receivers. They can limit and stop. Like if we're talking the Buccaneers facing the Giants, Tony O'Brown all day long, Chris Godwin, good, Mike Evans, be a concern. Situation with the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I say that to say I have zero concerns about Cortland Sutton. I like him a lot this week. And I actually think you have, and I know we're not there, KJ Hamler is too low in my opinion because the one aspect of beating Jaguars too is you can get behind them as well as Brandon Cooks did several times. Well, you can, I you, would you, go you, Patrick over Hamler. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You can just beat the Jags anywhere you want to. That, that is true. But I'm just saying that the big playability of KJ Hamler would have him, I would go for that upside over several wide receivers in front of him, including the number three of KJ Osborne, another KJ, just because of that upside. I still would go Patrick over Hamler, but I think they might be closer than people assume. I Listen, I, it's funny because now it goes back to like a Juju versus uh, Claypool situation where Hamler sort of right. the Claypool of this situation. I just have no faith that he's ever going to catch the ball. <laughs> I just don't. I feel like I've watched him drop over the past years, like four wide open 50-yard bombs in the end zone that just hit him in the hands and dropped it. Yeah, and if he didn't get turned around, look, that wasn't the best placed throw for where he was running and he oh, did what, get turned around. Oh, you mean in, in, in the middle of his chest, wide open in the end zone? Yeah, it was tough for him. No, he was, he was moving, if you're on the screen, he was moving away to the left and... He was trying to catch it right here. I'm not saying he should have not caught it. Like, he should. This is an NFL wide receiver. He should have caught it. It still wasn't the best situation for him to try to. And I say that to say, like, if he does catch it, people are going eight crap bananas or over waivers going after Hamler instead of Patrick because now what if he gets the same amount of snaps as Patrick? 
again, I preface this all with I'm playing Patrick over Hamler. I'm just saying I think that Hamler has more upside for where you have him. And I also wanted to double down on that Cortland Sutton situation where I am buying Cortland Sutton everywhere because the one thing he did, he still looked healthy as he did in the preseason three game. Uh, so I have Chenault at 42. Of the Jags receivers, I have them Chark, Marv, and Chenault. Is that the way that you would go with? Or is Chenault like a frisky matchup for this good Denver defense? Yeah, I would still rank this. Is the, the, all these situations we're talking about similar opportunities here. But Chenault, snap. I would just have him there. Snap, snap, snaps. That's what it comes down to. This is Marv Jones and Chark are the top two. And then Chenault can definitely do some damage. But he has to do more of his on fewer opportunities. So... You have them all in that range. I, I liken them a lot to last year's Panthers. I think that's who they are this year. This is going to be this year's Panthers, all in that 25 to 30-ish range on a week-to-week basis. One of them possibly finishes inside the top 15, but it's going to be frustrating to try and figure it out. So they're probably, you know what? The, the thing is, they're probably your good wide receiver three on most of your teams. Yeah, and they're completely capable. I lied. I have Chanel at 41, not 42. I have Juju at 42. Nelson Aguilar at number 43. I feel like such a dummy for not playing Nelson Aguilar on DraftKings last week or starting him in any lineups. Just like, oh, he's healthy now. They did go out and spend all this money on him. (laughs) Maybe he's actually, like, not bad. A part of it was the matchup, too. If I had to choose between the two of them for consistency's sake and who I trust more, I would still trust Jacoby Myers more. But this is another matchup that isn't something that you have to worry about. And you have him back-to-back. Yeah, I have him back-to-back. Just pick your poison. I think the higher upside lies with Aguilar. But you're right. Like Myers feels like a 6-for-60, maybe an 8-for-80, a 6-for-84 type guy almost every single week. He will see more of the targets. But Aguilar feels like he just (laughs) is going to be the receiver if Mac Jones starts throwing the ball down the field. Now, he didn't really have to against the Dolphins. Uh, Maybe they'll let him air it out a little bit against the awful Jets to just build some confidence (laughs) with some of these downfield throws. Uh, I've went over this twice now on the waiver wire, the Sunday night waiver show and then the updated waiver show. I really like Jamison Crowder this week. After seeing how much that uh, Sack Wilson leaned on Braxton Berrios over the middle. With Crowder back, he's just going to be peppered with targets. Yeah, if he's back. Uh, the, the disappointing thing was Elijah Moore was out there for more opportunities, but just it, it wasn't connecting. And because of what you're talking about, Zach Wilson under pressure, uh, if they put Elijah Moore in that role more, and then used Barrios as much as they did. We could get more excited about Elijah Moore, but it looks like, you know, another one of those situations where we want the talent and want the talent long-term, but that's just not the situation we're facing right now. So yes, if Crowder is back, I'm with you because uh, that was one of the things I was looking at yesterday when I was looking at that pressure rate for Zach Wilson is so they were the, they were tied for second Bengals got pressured the most 16.1 Titans and jets 14% right behind them. And that's before losing Becton. So no Beckton, Zach Wilson under duress. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Still Corey Davis, fine. But yeah, if Jamison Crowder's back, absolutely. So the teams with the most quarterback hits against them from last week, and you can find all of this on the Run the Sims Advanced Stats Hub. It's completely free to use. Go check it out. Uh, Indy, 10 quarterback hits in 41 pass attempts. Atlanta, Detroit, New England, surprisingly enough. The Jets, Tennessee, Buffalo, Carolina, Minnesota, Baltimore, Cincinnati. Uh, from 10 down to seven in terms of quarterback hits against. Now, you know, Minnesota threw the ball 53 times. Buffalo threw it 55 times. So it's a bit of a better ratio than, you know, nine quarterback hits and 40 pass attempts for the Atlanta Falcons. So I think stuff like that, especially when we talk about defenses now, is that would you attribute some of that to bad offensive line play or good defensive line Mm -hmm. play or a mix of both? Like Wentz getting hit 10 times, 
does that mean, I mean, the Rams with a good defensive line should be in that backfield all day because it's not like the Seahawks are, we're expected to really be bringing the pressure all season long. We expect the Rams to do that. So when you look at numbers like that and pressure rate, do you attribute that more to an offensive line or a defensive line? Both and also the quarterback himself. Uh, so the, so when I was looking at pressure percentage, I like that a little bit more because it incorporates under duress, hits, and sacks. So it's all this. So under duress is included in that and the fact that they might have to scramble or they're just not a big mover in the quarterbacks or in the pocket, which Wentz really kind of isn't what he used to be. Part of the reason he got injured that first time is because he was better at that. Um, but it's all those things. So you have to concentrate. And that's where it comes down to evaluating the situation. You know, we could throw out and we talk about this conversation a lot, Pat, is why I say it's like a piece of a puzzle. You don't just take broken tackles for running back and say, I know he's good because it's part of a puzzle. If we throw out pressure rate or time hits or whatever it might be, you just be like, oh, they stink. They're just getting hit all the time. But plays, as you mentioned, who they faced, the quarterback himself, you have to take all those things into account. So the Bengals being at the top in pressure rate and one of the top in quarterback hits, it tells you we knew that the Bengals offensive line stinks. And on top of that, though, is also like Burrow is still a little hesitant back there. So these are all the things you have to take into account. I would be mildly concerned about the Colts. I am more concerned about the Jets situation because of the offensive line was part of it. The pressure was coming from the defense. The Bengals obviously have a concern as well, especially because they leaned on Joe Mixon more and didn't let Joe Burrow throw the ball 40 times, probably because of that. The interesting one is the Titans, and you brought them up earlier into the show, is because when they're in that ranking, is is it the again is it the offensive play calling that they decided to change and go away from the play action because the play action too gives you that beat of a second which the quarterback has a little bit more time in the pocket so those you gotta you gotta include all those like put it this way pat the seahawks are number four pressure percentage with factoring all those in are we really worried about russell wilson no because you also understand the situation i like it so context matters as it turns out not just raw stats I'm going to write that one down for me. <laughs> what a surprise. I'm, I'm, I'm going to discuss that on the internet with people, and people will be triggered about it on both sides. Because <laughs> that's what people do. All right, so I have this, like, little – I think Marquez Callaway rebounds this week after, like, no one will want to play him on DraftKings. He's only 4,200 again against Carolina. I think he'll be fine, like, as an upside play. He's number 49 in the rankings. So now we have Odell at 50, Fuller at 51, Kenny G at 52 – Darnell Mooney Tunes at 53, and then Cedric Wilson, Brian Edwards, KJ Osborne, Michael Pittman, Rondell Moore, Hunter Renfro, Brandon Ayuk. There's no way you can listen, Brandon Ayuk might be fine this week and play a full complement of snaps. There's no way he was going to find his way into my lineups. No, and I don't think you can because one is again, I said it earlier, I don't trust Shanahan in this. There is there's not a world where Ayuk is a lesser talent than Trent Sherfield. But what might be true is that he's just not a hundred percent. And it's similar to the Giants situation, is maybe that's what it is, and he's just not wanting to spell that or go through that situation, or maybe he's trying to you know, light a fire under Ayuk and get him some motivation to really push back to get back to a hundred percent quickly. But until we see Ayuk at least, even if he's not 100%, but like you said, that full complement of snaps is back. You kind of have to wait and see it first because Shanahan, if one thing, he will just do whatever the hell he wants. And it works because it's worked for Shanahan so far, not necessarily in the wind department, but it works from his players. And right now, yeah, there's no way you can put Ayuk out there until we see it. Besides Hamler, is there I'm any- buying. By the way, I'm buying the hell out of Michael Pittman after this week. Because he's facing I don't think that Ramsey. I don't think I don't think that Carson Wentz can throw to receivers. I think that Carson Wentz is absolute <laughs> dust. 
uh, except for Zach Pascal yeah, of who, ODU. Who, yeah, that's great. When you can catch two passes from eight yards out. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that can work out for him. Zach, Zach Pascal was like Josh Jacobs. Like, he doesn't catch two touchdowns. He's useless. <laughs> then, but, like, look, Pascal is, yeah, but he's a better number two than people want to give him credit. Like, I wouldn't put him number two on a lot of teams, but he's a better number two. He did the same thing last year. Towards the end of the year, he was m- remarkably consistent towards the end of the year. Actually, the last couple of games, it wasn't just touchdowns, although he did score four. He was getting targets and receptions every single week. Where I'm going to say, I want to go back to Wentz. Wentz wasn't even supposed to be ready for week one. I, I, I still put out a little bit of like, Wentz isn't 100%. He wasn't even supposed to play week one. In fairness, he hasn't been good since 2018. Uh, 100%. Hey, you remember when Carson Wentz was supposed to be the next great Hall of Fame top five quarterback? Yeah, I fun. do. And a lot of it had to do, and you mentioned it earlier, was his ability to shake off tackles in the pocket. It was Ben Roethlisberger-esque, and he just can't do that anymore. No, he can't do that anymore. That's, yeah. And I don't 100%. think that's even, like, when his foot gets healthy. Like, that's not something he had the ability, ability to do last year either. So I think injuries have just kind of caught up to him. Like, he's just mediocre at this point. Hey, uh, so we're not doing uh, Sammy Watkins in the revenge game narrative down at 64? <laughs> Listen, you can you can make a case for anyone else you want. You can check out my rankings down in the description and up on DKNation.com. I have them in order. Uh, I will say what's interesting, again, I'm not going this far unless I'm desperate, but there are plenty of people who watch you and me and are in deeper leagues. You have Cephas back-to-back. If there is no Tyrell, I think that Cephas has the highest upside despite the fact he was, what, fourth in wide receiver, maybe third in wide receiver snaps out of that week one, but the upside of him. How bad is my team if I'm playing Quintez Cephas? How many people still play in 14, 16, 18-team leagues? Few? It just might be a force of the situation. No! Very few, yes. Most people, we're talking about the majority of people that are watching the show. Maybe you can put this down in the description on the YouTube channel. Tell me how many teams are in your league. I want to know. How many 18 teamers are there? Can I don't do even play in a, I don't even play in an 18 team league. Like that just doesn't sound like fun. No, I don't either because it's not fun. No, because one injury sidelines your entire season. You want to you want to add injury or just not even injury. You just want to add more risk than playing 18 and 20 team leagues. I was just thinking about it because Brad Evans for the final week of the season was tweeting out his 20 team roster with Andy Barons. And I'm like, you guys are insane. Yeah, it's a real boomer move. Boomer Brad Evans. My guy, Brad Evans. Boomer Brad. <laughs> And Boomer Andy playing in Boomer 18 team, playing in 18 team leagues. Let's talk tight ends. It's pretty easy. Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, the Hawk. Ah! Higby. No, Andrews Higby. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski, Logan Thomas, Noah Fant, Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard. I think those are your 11. You got one of those 11? You're good at tight end. Is Ertz going to play, do you think? Mm, sounds like it, but I mean, we would move dollars. I think that that's the easy answer. You move Goddard up. If not, yeah, I, I agree. Like th- this, uh, do I have Ertz in? I didn't even rank Ertz because he reeks, but this is assuming that Ertz is playing whatever the hell he plays. But if he doesn't play, I would I put Goddard at seven. Yeah, I'd put him a spot. Yeah, yeah, I'd put him a spot ahead of Gronkowski. I completely agree with you on that. But I think the, those are the 11 tight ends right now that you can feel not that they're all going to be good, but you can feel like okay about playing them. <laughs> You can, yeah, you can feel okay. Yeah, and I'm glad you left up Tanya and Tanya. I'm not again. I'm not worried about the Packers at all 
Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae, none of them, except if you wanted a wide receiver after Adams. That's just insane. But Robert Tanya, we knew it was going to be touchdown or bust, but, you know, hey, facing the Lions could be his touchdown week. Yeah, I have him at number 12. I wouldn't feel good about him, though. No, I, he, yeah. he, he's sort of like the cutoff guy, but I think he has the highest upside of those non-11 guys. Like, if he has a good game, he could be tight end three for the week. So that's why he's at number 12. I got Janu Schultz. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Schwartz, but he's on uh, he's on Cleveland. Schultz, Cole Komet, Gerald Everett, Tyler Conklin, Pharaoh Brown. Pharaoh Brown might be sneaky on this Houston team uh, as, like, the athletic tight end that Tyrod can just have mm-hmm. as, a, as a safety blanket. And he can... I always thought that Pharaoh Brown, because I was I kept getting confused with Pharaoh Cooper. I was like, how many guys could have the possibility of the first name Pharaoh? And I was like, isn't he like a super speed kick returner guy? I was like, oh, no, that's a different guy. Okay, <laughs> Austin Hooper. Uh, Evan Ingram might play on Thursday night. Don't play him. Gesicki, don't play him. Like, everyone wants to play, like, Jawan Johnson now. Like, I think no. I'd, ra- I'd rather have Troutman than Juwan Johnson moving forward. Like, you want to talk about guys playing snaps? Troutman played a ton of snaps. How about you just don't want either of them? That's probably the best answer. Yeah, Juwan Johnson played 12. People asked me about that in the waiver column. I was like, look, I was the person on Friday who tweeted out, go pick up little Jordan Humphrey and Juwan Johnson in deeper leagues just in case. Humphrey didn't hit at all. It was actually Deontay Harris and still not interested in Deontay Harris. Actually, of the wide receivers... I think you could take two of them and you still didn't total Callaway snaps. Like nobody else had even 30 snaps of the wide receivers. But to bring it up at the tight end position, Juwan Johnson at the tight end position was third. He was 12 snaps. I, it was fun. I, yeah, like, okay, cool. Like you called that. No, I didn't really because I expected Juwan Johnson to get more than 12 snaps. So I did and I didn't. I'm with you in the fact that Trotman was also running routes, which was part of the concern from preseason was that he was being asked to block so much. So if he's going to be seeing 50 plus snaps and running some routes, long-term Troutman, absolutely. Uh, the one that you have way low, and again, I'm not getting excited for it, but I would be more excited than Johnson is O'Shaughnessy. It, 50 snaps and the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be throwing, 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 throwing. Not a great matchup against Denver, kind of maybe next week down the road, but similar to your conversation about Farrell Brown, who I thought might be Aikens, but a similar situation. If you're going to be on the field that much and the team's going to be passing as much as we expect them to be, and you expect the Jaguars to be passing more than the Texans, I think O'Shaughnessy being just a name to plug in the back of your mind. Well, you never really have to sell me on the Irish assassin James O'Shaughnessy, but <laughs> I've done I've I've been down this road with the Irish assassin a few times. Like I'm just not gonna play him. Pharaoh Brown, like I I might I might play on DraftKings, put it that way. I'll put it look, I'd play O'Shaughnessy be a player who played Ferkser. Again, I don't want the third option. And Ferkser was down they were down two plus wide receivers, and that's why Chester Rogers was uh, on the field, and you still couldn't get Ferkser involved. I don't want the third option there. And I'm glad you have Gasicki as low as you do because that was his one op- – again, that was his one remaining opportunity with no Will Fuller. But it came down to the preseason conversation you and I had about Gasicki is that with Waddle now in the mix, he can't play at the slot and he can't get those opportunities. And he was losing a hell of a lot of snaps to Smythe. I don't know if that was – maybe Gasicki wasn't 100% or this is a new thing or he was in the doghouse for some reason, but – didn't Smythe have more snaps than Gasecki, if I'm remembering correctly? I Yes, slightly more, but they were almost about even. Basically, Gasecki had his one shot, and he got mom spaghetti, and that's going to be the end of him. He'll have four <laughs> good games this year. He'll catch two touchdowns. He'll be like, man, I, sh- I should play Sticky Gasecki. And like, no, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't, shouldn't own that guy. Just cut him right now. I love the Eminem reference, because as soon as you said one shot, that popped into my head. So we were on the same page on that one. There we go. We're old, Jake. This is how it works. I saw Eight Mile in high school. <laughs> 
So. Oh, my God. We are old. Yeah. <laughs> Quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> we'll try to make it easy for you. There's like a collection like tight end in every other position of guys that you're just going to play. I got Kyler at number one. I was not impressed at all with the Vikings defense. It was like legit bad. Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, Dak, Russell Wilson, Justin Ebel. Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford against Indy, whose defense also sucks, and maybe they'll get a little bit healthier this week, but it wasn't looking good. Jalen Yehurts against San Francisco. That's just respect for the San Francisco defense, by the way. And I'm going to go back to Rodgers. I'm going back to Rodgers at number 11 against Detroit. It's a bad week. Are you writing off Aaron Rodgers? Give me a break. And they have, um, oh, crap, the name just went out of my mind. Their first-round pick corner that the Lions just lost. Ah, the hell's his name? Oh, uh, Odukin? Welcome to, like... (laughs) Oh uh, yeah, Jeff Akuda. Yeah, they just took. I was gonna say, just took him like two years ago. Uh, so yeah, they're down him as well. So, I honestly, Aaron Rodgers could finish top five. I don't, I'm not saying to rank him there, but he could finish top five and bounce back in that big of a game against Detroit. If so, nothing else, only because they might just be able to have Aaron Jones have a giant game too, and Aaron Rodgers only has to throw for two sixty and a two touchdowns. So I think this becomes a more apt conversation for those twelve and fourteen team leaguers right now that might be streaming quarterbacks or your quarterback has a bad matchup. You got any of those guys, play those guys. After that, I got Jameis, yes. who I've heard is famous at number twelve. I think that he might have to pass a few more times because I'm not buying 180 yards and five touchdowns every week from old Jameis. But the rushing was back, by the way. That was one of our favorite over-unders of the week, was over eight and a half rushing yards, which he beat on the third play of the game. And I think he ended up with like 30-something on the ground, and he really didn't have to throw all that much. Plus, Sean Payton calling an aggressive offense. I like it. Tannehill, <laughs> it's an interesting spot. We'll, it's another wait-and-see week for him, but if he has another bad game like, and they're not doing anything different on offense, you have to drop him down. Burrow at 14 against Chicago. Baker against Houston. Tyrod, revenge situation, but just as a guy who runs is probably more important, <laughs> at number 16. Teddy B at number 17. Mac Jones, Sam Darnold, Kirk Cousins. And I got like Lawrence Heineke, Big Ben. And then you got some like bad matchups. Goff, Garoppolo, Matt Ryan, Tua, Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Wentz, Sack Wilson, Andy Dalton. Like with Dalton and Garoppolo, like it's clear that Fields and Lance are going to come in and like hamburgle their touchdowns. So that's not good news. I know. We've freaking Taysom Hill, the NFL. There's Steve Spurrier out here with all these situations. Multiple. We even had what? Marcus Mariota with that run to start at the early of the game last night. It's just, it's a. Can we stop with this? How about we just turn to Fields and Lance? Can we just do that? Like, stop screwing around with this? That'd be nice. Um, yeah, that's the biggest problem. Is I was looking down this list, and I was like, there's some by-low quarterbacks in here. But then I was looking at it, I was like, but they have bad matchups again this week. Yeah, like, like Kirk like, Cousins. Yeah, like, the, in, in, I don't know if Kirk Cousins' matchup is really bad, but I'm kind of... Arizona I'm, defense just proved they're they're underrated i i don't know if they're underrated but i think their pass rush is obviously just with chandler jones alone is severely underrated and the vikings couldn't block the bengals last week that's not good right <laughs> right well and, that, and that's the second aspect of it there you go this the pass rush versus the offensive lines to go back to that conversation but yeah so you're bringing things full circle over here pat that's great um teddy bridgewater i, I like that's kind of like a fun conversation is like if you need that fill in He's probably still out there. The vast majority of waivers, if you don't, hey, by the way, sit for Matt Ryan that you have all the way down at 26 going against Tampa Bay. Absolutely. If you're in one of those situations, Teddy is a great option as he just was last year. The only concern you had with Teddy Bridgewater last year is he just wasn't throwing touchdowns. So I, too, enjoy the upside of Teddy Bridgewater in this matchup. The problem is going to be with the Jags, unless they give up like 40 points a game, is that where is it going to come from? Because... 
with Teddy Bridgewater being so efficient that the running game should look pretty good that this, I mean, I have Javante and Melvin Gordon ranked pretty highly for a reason that some of those points have to come from somewhere. Now you can overload with the Denver passing game and that will severely benefit Teddy Bridgewater, but Someone like Tyrod against the Browns, like they're probably going to be down in that game. They're probably going to be passing. He's probably going. I think that the floor for Tyrod is higher and the upside is higher for Teddy Bridgewater. Like if you had to choose between those two guys. Yeah, I think that's a certain, that's a very good way of putting it. All right. Defenses. Let's close this out. The, the one thing that we do well, Jake, or at least that I do well, you do everything <laughs> well. Defenses is where I am at for this. Here we go. The Patriots, number one against Zach Wilson, or Zoomer Zach, as many people are calling him these days. Broncos, Steelers, <laughs> Saints, Bucks, Washington, Rams, Niners, Cardinals, Packers, into the Browns, Bengals against Detroit, or against uh, Chicago, sorry. The Seahawks, Bears against Cincinnati, Vikings, and Bills. Mm, the only one I would do is I would completely flip the Saints in Washington. I would have Washington at four and Saints at six. But it's kind of nitpicky. And because I watched a lot of the Jets game, because Tim Andercust was sitting next to me, like being triggered the entire time when like, oh, the, the whole world's against like, man, the Jets aren't good. Like, you, you got to deal with this. Was like, <laughs> he almost started to cry when their punter got hurt. He fist pumped at one point and he fist pumped too hard and hurt his arm. The Jets and Carolina, for that matter, like, Carolina couldn't really block at the same time. Like Darnold had some pressure in his face a lot of the time and it forced him to make some like really terrible decisions. Maybe because he's Sam Darnold and he sucks. But at the same time, like I wasn't blown away by Carolina's offensive line that, and we're still dealing with Darnold here at the same time. Like he, he can make some mistakes. I know that uh, Danny Fums might just put the ball on the ground 800 <laughs> times, but it does seem exactly. like, that, but that does seem like a slower pace game. Like the saints look like they can score thus forcing the Panthers to play catch-up, I think you're just going to get more volume against with the Saints than you're going to get with Washington. Now, maybe Washington on defense is going to be more efficient. And again, this is very nitpicky, four versus six. But <laughs> right, I, right, right. The, the Saints are bringing pressure. I think they're going to get into the backfield. I just think they're going to have more pass attempts to go against, where I think that Washington wins, but I'm not convinced about that. That game feels like a really close game to me. Okay, and that's certainly fair. I just I'm going to the fact that the Giants' offensive line can't stop anybody, and that similar to hey, the, you said they could block each other. That's not bad, and that's not bad. But I was gonna say similar to the Cowboys' situation is that Barkley was in there to chip a lot of time. Devontae Booker too. They were using them to chip and try to get some extra time for Daniel Jones, who still couldn't evolve, avoid getting sacked, and still couldn't avoid throwing terrible throws that's really what it comes down to washington uh, i pulled it up and this is one of the ones where like where you can get that feel and again there's not a huge difference here because it's 4.8 percent for the giants to 2.8 percent for the panthers that was their pressure rate percentage so panthers weren't under duress as much as the numbers tell but i, I agree because i saw a lot of that game too because i had a lot of guys that i was just interested in watching in that game it did feel like the number should have been higher than 2.8. So this is some of the ones where we sit here and we go through our own evaluation of why you don't only trust numbers and why you don't only trust your eyes because if you're only doing one or the other, you're just you're cutting out half the information. Yeah, I'm shocked it's really that low. Maybe like what quant what qualifies as pressures at the same time? Like there's just a lot of hands up and Darnold like got rattled by it and just made some really bad throws. Sure. So I, I listen, I've I've made a lot of money streaming against Sam Darnold, put it that way.
<laughs> and I don't blame you without that, but I think I would make more money going against Daniel Jones. That's all I'm going with. Both are very good options. Of the ones that you can pick up off the waiver wire, it's weird because like the Steelers are kind of available right now because they were playing the Bills and no one wanted to play them right away. Um, who else would be on there? I, the Saints might be somewhat available because no one wanted to like play them against the Packers. No one wants to carry yeah. two defenses. Other than that, like pure like the Cardinals will be the hottest pickup. It's another good matchup for them. I like that a lot. But the Bengals against Chicago and Chicago against the Bengals, like those are two, those offensive lines are a travesty. Just hope to get lucky. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you on more so. Ooh. The Bears are still. I go Bears. I go Bears before I go Bengals. I was I was impressed by the Bengals pass rush last week. I will say this: watching a lot of that game because I have a friend who's a Vikings fan. If the Bengals' offensive line and defense combined don't have the most complicated letters, spellings, weird last names of any team, like as a spelling bee of players, it's it's crazy. All right. I think that will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Just popped up on my Twitter timeline. Antonio Gibson and his shoulder are practicing in full today, so we should be good to go with Tony Gibson. So if you got him, don't worry about him. Just hope that he has a good game. But his health probably shouldn't be that big of a concern. Jake? TheAthletic.com, Bets TV. What else you got going on this week? Yeah, so waivers for everybody are always out. Midnight Monday, ranks midnight Tuesday, matchup APA, adjusted points allowed Wednesday. And as you mentioned, the Best TV Monday through Wednesdays as well. And I sleep in for a little bit on Fridays. That's nice. I appreciate that. I think you should get some more sleep. That would be really nice for you. For me, you can obviously get in the get in the cash giveaway because I got a thousand bucks to give away. You should go do that right now. Everything is down in the description. You got the listeners league link. You have the props contest, which you can still get into prizepicks.com. Code MMN. You get a hundred dollar match and just enter a seven dollar and eleven cent entry that qualifies you to be in the contest. You can find the leaderboard down in the description. Rate and review the podcast, sub to the channel, run the sims.com. I think that's gonna do it for me until Wednesday on the Spread Pick Show. I'll see you next time. You have your experience! Experience!